When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of Shadows is by a stuntman who was in the Hollywood industry for a long time, did a lot of cool stunts. Was oh, this about how Hollywood's run by pedophiles? Pedophile Satanists, yes. And uh, there's there's interesting things, and I feel the same way about this that I do about David Icke, which is you make good, interesting, and I think compelling points that seem to be sometimes surrounded by ones that hurt credibility. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. We're here. We have a ton for you today. Should I go first? Yeah, fire away. So I watched a video last night that was Hank Green talking to Susan Wojcicki. Susan is the CEO of YouTube. Hank has been a creator for a long time. He does VidCon. Mm. And they spoke about some of the takedowns that were happening, and I, it was particularly around David Icke and Brian Rose. And I thought it was very interesting because he asks her, and he's, he very much agrees with her that it was appropriate to take these things down how did you decide to take these down? And her argument fell back on semantics. She said, well, we're in an epidemic and we can't have conspiracy theories saying things that make people unhealthy, which misses the entirety of the argument because the other argument is we are not in an epidemic and I'm not supporting this. (laughs) And it is in fact not a conspiracy theory. So weirdly enough, it was just a way of languaging away the concerns of this group of people, which may be false to completely, uh, but I thought it was interesting from a how-do-we-know-what's-true perspective that the powers that be just slap conspiracy theory on it, which might be true, and, and then dismiss it offhand. And that was the end of the question. I was sure. shocked. I was shocked. Uh, and then he also follows up and he asks her, you know, how, this seems like a lot of power for one company to have you know and and he agrees with her he's like i agree this is you know we had to take these down uh but this seems like a lot of power how do you draw the line she says well actually it's a very competitive landscape you know there's facebook and video there's there's twitch there's all these other things so people we recognize and i i was like david i got deplatformed within 24 hours on facebook and youtube well the same thing happened with alex jones same thing happens with everyone i think once you have i think the thing is it seems like it's always Facebook that goes first. Mm-hmm. And then I think what YouTube's thing is, is once Facebook goes, YouTube feels like, okay, if we get blowback on this, yeah, we'll just hide behind Facebook and we'll do it together. It seems like YouTube is most scared to be the first mover. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, th- th- Alex Jones was deplatformed from all of them yeah. uh, within, I well, think, a three-day span. And you and I talked about this. So Brian Rose, who I don't know and, at all, but he's he's constantly saying like, you know, they can't silence us. 
they did a really good job of silencing Alex Jones. <laughs> Seriously, like, I haven't heard from him since. Yeah. He's not on Twitter. He's not on Facebook. He's not on YouTube. He is still, I think, publishing stuff on his own website. He was on Brian Rose's thing. He can he can get onto other people's platforms. I would, If I were Brian Rose, I would tone down the they can't silence us because it seems like they very effectively could. Actually, they would just have to delete his YouTube channel. Yeah. And Brian would be quite silenced. Yeah. So I thought from... I would love, actually, I, I know we're not that big, but if Hank ever finds this, I'd love to talk to him about it because he does represent the side that I think they refer to themselves as the science side, the side that believes science. But I would argue that they're the side that trusts in authority yeah. more than they're the side that uh, has investigated the papers in a, in a large degree. And maybe Hank himself has, but a lot of the people that argue that they're pro-science are really just pro-scientific authority. Sure. Um, and so he had an interesting question, which I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, I agree. Well, you know, one of the things on YouTube is we have to interrupt people's path down the rabbit hole. And I went, are you kidding me? This, where is this patriarchal idea that you need to, that you need to prevent people from encountering certain ideas, grown adults, that it is somehow the job of a handful of unelected people to prevent certain ideas from even being encountered for public benefit? That to me is insane. Uh, and again, I know in, in the previous episodes we were on here and we were semi-critical of, of Brian Rose and David Icke for what they said. <coughs> but, yeah, but uh, not, not that they're not allowed to say it. Not that they're not allowed uh, my, to say my, it. My, like, rationality rules did it best, yeah. I think, which is he came out with a very simple set of explanations that go against some of the 5G claims. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily have to get to a cellular level to do the investigation yourself which i think is the most useful because when people are saying at a cellular level this covid is actually the sense like no one has looked under a microscope like david ike is just quoting a scientist he yeah, likes yeah. someone who thinks that it's a different thing is quoting a scientist they like rationality rules was cool because he just went just look at the countries that have the most 5g are those the ones that have the most corona so mm -hmm. that's a nice way to argue against a conspiracy i think mm -hmm. uh, or to argue against anything not to just say you're not allowed to have this belief, and if you do, I'm going to delete everything you ever create. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think let the ideas fight themselves out. And and what should happen is the most persuasive idea will win for most of the people. And by the way, some people will be completely unconvinced and will stick with the side that makes less sense, and that's okay. Yeah, and I'm really surprised that we don't... I know it's tough, and I'd like to have a bit longer discussion about this, but that there aren't more people, and, and I kind of came out... I think that legally you need to protect the marketplace of ideas, that, that you want to have a space where anybody can say anything. And I think that morally it is up to each individual to check, be like, is this an idea that I should be shouting? You know, and this was kind of my potential criticism of Brian was that there wasn't a lot of pushback. I think legally he should be within his rights to say whatever he wants to say. But I think on an individual level to have someone up there saying something that if wrong, could cause a lot of harm, and to not question in a deeper, more meaningful way is a uh, a personal, I don't want to say failure, but I think it could have been improved upon sure. in this interview. But maybe he's just not a critical guy. You know, maybe sure. maybe he's sure. an agreeable guy. And so and I don't think the he way should he, be shut down necessarily. Like, or, it's possible yeah. that anyone sits in front of him, and, and it, I've seen people like this, his method of interacting might be too just be be easily convinced by someone in front of him. Yeah, and I uh, I think this was Larry King's whole thing is nobody ever knew where he stood because he would just let the guest speak mm -hmm. and just and just in, not even interrogate, just question to find out more of their world. Oh yeah, I'm saying though even beyond that, like you're a philosophy major. Yeah, incredibly bright. 
I disagree with your natural thing. Your natural thing is is anytime someone says something, you go, well, what would disprove that? Right. So I say 5G is linked to Corona. The very first thing that you think or one of them is, okay, so then that would mean if that were the if that were the case, then the places with the most 5G would have the most Corona. That's your very first thought. Someone is just the opposite of you, just doesn't do any challenging to the ideas that are presented to them and instead is very receptive to people they view as experts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking that because I knew that I was going to come on this podcast having watched the Susan interview and sound completely different than I did after having watched the Ike interview because all I do is disagree with what I hear. But I'm saying like like maybe Brian's trying to maximize money. Maybe Brian uh, has these critical thoughts like Larry King but doesn't say them Mm because he doesn't think it's his place as an interview. Or maybe he's just, you know, very much at the time he's being spoken to by an expert going, oh, Sure. So this all makes sense and like there's no part of his brain that studied philosophy for four years and is constantly going if that's true what would it mean if that's true what mm-hmm. it mean which i think is a superpower of yours well thank you uh yeah and i would just say on a personal level we should i try to consider that there are people listening to me and speak in a different way when i'm in front of a camera than when i'm just casually making guesses about you know what stocks are going to go up or down i would never say that on camera and yeah, my, yeah. Tanger my personal <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a financial advisor <laughs> my personal advice to him if he ever saw this would be to consider having, uh, allowing the person to even formulate a better case by providing reasonable challenges to their position. Well, if this is the case, then why? And one of the big ones I had when I was watching the David Icke interview is, at what point did Bill Gates get pulled into the super psychopath cult? Like, how did they approach him? Was he 17, 18? Was it after Microsoft? Same thing with Elon Musk. When did they pull him in? When was his first ceremony <laughs> where, they, yeah, yeah. You know, where they did all these horrible things? Or because maybe it was a reptile since birth. Yeah, did he have, and, and I think part of the reason I asked that question is because when you're forced to pin down uh, and, ha- and really imagine a scene where a otherwise normal human being is approached in that way, it becomes, it becomes more difficult to mm-hmm. believe. Uh, so it was just, it was interesting hearing them talk about public health and conspiracy theories. And if you're right and the public health is on the side of this is a virus and we need to wear masks, then sure. But if David is right, public health concerns demand that you broadcast him far and wide. So this, it's just strange that there's this group of obviously ideological censors, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, but I am saying that they come from a very similar silicon pool, and they all decide on the same days what can and can't be said. What a a coincidence, you know? Uh, Deciding what gets to be said publicly while retaining the status of un- impartial, unbiased platform that can't be sued for copyright infringement of stuff that, that goes up on their website. It seems wrong. Well, so I, I have a question that I just thought of. Uh, so what do you do or how do you combat the idea that people don't want their minds changed? And, mm-hmm. so that, and so I think of this because there was this YouTuber who was a flat earther and he gave a video where he said, the earth is flat. It's absolutely flat. <laughs> if I had a laser gyroscope, I think it's called, you would see that if a round earth moved, you could set this thing in such a way that it would shift 15 degrees every hour. Yeah, yeah. And it as wouldn't, it, as it fell over the horizon. And it wouldn't show that, which is how you know that this is, fa- and the science is dead on. He's absolutely right. He goes, and I don't have this $20,000 equipment, but if I did, I could absolutely show you that the earth is flat. And so someone, I don't know who, sent him the $20,000 equipment. And he, to his credit, did the experiment. He did. Mm-hmm said yeah let's do this because he believed it and it showed a 15 degree change over the hour which is exactly what you would expect and he said this is what i forgot to take into effect is that this is caused by movements in heavenly energies 
And if I did this in a lead bunker, it wouldn't move 15 degrees, but I don't have a lead bunker. <laughs> so my question is, it, we're all talking as if people yeah. are open-minded, right? That's like this weird assumption that we're talking about that YouTube thinks that you and I are saying, what do you do about the fact that people will, we talked about this on the last podcast, you could say, what can I do to change your mind? And they'll say, this $20,000 mm-hmm. piece of equipment showing this would prove the earth is round. And then you get the $20,000 piece of equipment, you sit down with them, you run their experiment and they go, I forgot about heavenly energies. Like, what do you do when people don't want to change their mind? So the the reason that we have a statement of something being right or wrong is because right things more effectively grasp reality. So if you try to launch a satellite with the belief that the earth is flat, you will probably not be very successful mm-hmm. if you try to it now you can you operate and go to the grocery store and do all sorts of things yes well you can also you can also burn a 5g tower yes so this is the thing i agree with you if you're gonna if you are going to try to make money mm-hmm. th- the right ideas will prove themselves out 100 percent, because the successful entrepreneurs the successful businesses will be the ones that have reality back up their hypotheses well, not, i mean let's let's give one big argument it's it's how tangible it is in your day-to-day. So there's obviously a huge schism in the world as to the belief of, is there a heavenly body up there watching over? Th- I mean, massive implications. Yeah, yeah. My thing it doesn't, is, it doesn't influence the I'm day-to-day. saying, what do you do if you're YouTube? You don't want to censor this guy, but you know that no matter what you say, people will literally light $100 million towers on fire. So here's the question for that, that you have. Do you want a society run by a handful of educated technocrats with everyone's best interest in mind making decisions about what you can see? Or do you want a society that leaves it up to the potentially irrational, uninformed masses to decide their own best so interest? So this is my question. is do in, If you're not going to have censorship, is there a way to change that guy's mind? Or do you just go, think that towers on fire is part of doing business part of owning 5g towers is that some of them will burn down and that's your call as a business if you want to invest in this new technology well uh so so that business might lobby for different things but i'm it's it's more from a perspective of how do you run no i'm saying you're you're omnipotent and you're setting up the culture is Mm -hmm. the culture you set up just like yo if you're going to be 5g buy security get it so so you're talking about culture and you're talking about government which are two different things if you can set up the culture you set up the culture to be open-minded and explore different ideas and and hesitate before committing an act of violence okay no you can't unfortunately well this is my i guess my question is can you do that because it seems it seems like and that's just one anecdote of one flat earther it seems like you could show this rationality rules video that i found very convincing about Mm -hmm. 5g and corona to a bunch of people who would be much less convinced than me and it's it would basically just be whatever your belief is going into the video is your belief coming out of the video? Yeah, well, this is tough. And, and the question that you're asking is, what is the role of government? Uh, d- or of YouTube, which acts as its own little government, government but yeah. is actually a corporation. Is it, to, is it to impose and protect certain ideas from being seen? And I don't know that it is. Maybe, maybe government will evolve into that, but originally what government was, it's like, here's people. They all individually have this fractured power, but they have things that they need to cooperate for, roads, whatever, war, etc. And so they form this body that only intervenes in edge cases. But day to day, it's like the rules of bartering and all of this kind of stuff. That they're just to enforce contracts. This is the libertarian idea of how at least government. I was just thinking, knows. this isn't this how it works at all. Isn't how government this isn't how it works at all. The government's theory. literally just printing out trillions of dollars right now. Once, and you're right. It's also not how it historically arose. It was one strong guy who was just like, I'll tax you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take some. Of that. Would you like protection from who? From me. So I guess my answer, and we can talk about it, is that you need a philo- What's missing in all of these uh, these uh, debates is a philosophical bedrock which people 
agree upon. So in the Hank Green, Susan Wojcicki, what they're missing is an epistemological bedrock. And that means how do we know what we know and how do we have a degree of certainty in what we know? Is it because there's six scientific papers on it and we go, now we know. Like there's no consensus in how we're getting our certainty of truth. And and the question here is, is a big one. What is the role of governing bodies? And I would it seems to me that there's a tremendous, even greater danger in a group of enlightened technocrats deciding everyone's best interest for them over the long run. Because sure, maybe they get coronavirus right. But what you have in China is a group of enlightened technocrats yeah, deciding yeah. what is good for everybody to see. And it's it's one step away from something that's good for you to something that's really good for them, but they've convinced themselves is good for you. Yeah, for sure. And so I think, unfortunately... You want a world where bad ideas could win in the short term. Mm -hmm. And the only way really to fight them is with more articulate, better ideas. Well, that's not so I agree with everything you said, except for the fact that you can fight them with more articulate, better ideas. You can't, you might not win. (laughs) There will always be tens of thousands of people who who are unconvinced and and willing to take and we need them. Sure, sure. Uh, Set yourself up for violent action from them, would be my only advice it's them or the technocrats sure yeah i'm not saying i'm just saying there is no there appears to be no amount of video evidence that will persuade them not to burn your towers sure and so you need a different approach and you're not going to get all that's in a world when i saw this dude when i saw this dude get the exact equipment he wanted Mm -hmm. and then be completely unconvinced because he forgot about heavenly energies i went cool we should just completely stop trying to convince these people that 5G is or isn't connected to Corona, and we should just assume that they will remain unconvinced and then act accordingly, well, the which state, is yeah. get security for yourself <laughs> or whatever it is, or get out of the industry, Yeah, because you will not win by making a YouTube video that you think supports your point necessarily. Sure. I think that also the people that believe that 5G does not cause coronavirus or in the same boat if probably if you showed them evidence that it did would remain most of that's them what I'm would saying. remain unconvinced that's what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying on on, on both sides i'm saying it's yeah, not yeah. like these people are the crazy no, ones. no no so that's like, exactly people what I'm don't change their mind you show rationality rules <laughs> it's a great video i thought but i came into it thinking corona <laughs> wasn't caused by 5g but you show everyone this video 95 percent of them will just leave it mm-hmm. thinking what they thought beforehand no matter what they were thinking beforehand mm-hmm. it's tough and, and so you're choosing between two evils right do you want a top-down evil potentially where these people who are supposed to help you get the right answer eventually become corrupted which is almost a guarantee or do you want this bottom up uh guaranteed because there's going to be divisions in what people think and how they should organize the world it's one or the other <laughs> yeah, yeah let's 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 fly on i feel like we've beaten this to death yeah. i find it fascinating sure so i just want to say before we hop on uh, thank you to our patrons the reason that we are here today and not a week and a half from now or two weeks is because we actually hit our goal and blew by it special thanks to one patron in particular whose name is yusuf he funded this entire episode yeah yeah so it's, uh, what is it per episode it's, 300. 300 and Justin episode. knows that because it goes to Justin. Yeah, this is Justin's Patreon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're just trying to basically break even on the podcast to the extent the Patreon pays for Justin. We'll do more episodes. And someone came in and funded an entire $300 episode. So mm-hmm. thank you very much, Yusuf. Yes. And and he asked, I said, what would you like? Is there anything you'd like to say? So we had a question, which we'll address later, but also mind.org.uk. He mentioned that he had a friend who was struggling with mental illness and he wanted to promote an organization that helps people with their their mental difficulties. So if you'd like to check them out, potentially donate to that charity right now. There's a lot of people that are having mental issues as 
you know, this world thing with the coronavirus pandemic, 5G, who knows, but people are struggling. So if you'd like to donate there, special shout out from our friend Yusuf. And he did mention, by the way, that he is not made of money and this may be the last podcast that he's able to fully fund. So we absolutely appreciate everyone who already has. If you are open to donating more, we can do these more often and we'll link to our Patreon for that. But thank you guys. It's been a uh, it's been awesome. I'm happy to be here today and not two weeks from now because I wanted to share all this. Cool. <laughs> I'll leave the link for the uh, the mind.uk or mind.org.uk mind, yeah, the yeah. description. Cool. Your turn. So, I have you seen that people are really really upset that they have to wear masks in stores? Some people are are adamant. There's like okay. protests about sure. uh, this. People are saying I'm going to cancel my Costco oh uh, membership because they're forcing me to wear a mask. Okay. It's to me. It's real. It's fascinating how whatever our current set of rules is whatever our current set of morality is people just accept that almost unquestioning and then they hate changes to it so like we grew up in a time where it was okay to eat meat you tell people not to eat meat they lose their minds they Mm -hmm. tell you that you're crazy we grow up in an area where you have to wear shirts into stores no one boycotts Mm -hmm. this no one is having rallies (laughs) about how insane it is that we have to wear shirts in the stores which are actually weirdly enough there's less logic to that than to the mask. Yeah, well, there's been plenty of times where you're in a hot day and it's one of these big warehouse stores that doesn't really have central air. Yeah. And you're, I could take my shirt off quite comfortably yeah. in here. And you wouldn't be, it's not indecent exposure. But people just accept, they go, yeah, yeah, I gotta wear a shirt. Yeah. And that was the thing I thought was most fascinating. It's like, man, people are just, just hate new rules, new yeah. morality rules, new social rules, but they're totally cool with whatever with arbitrary they were old into. ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. I think that that is 100% true. And you're right. The logic of, of wearing a shirt on your upper body, particularly as a man in the U.S. where it's not per- very sexualized, is, is strange. <laughs> so uh, let's do some more Corona. Let's do it. Fire away. I've been thinking about, you mentioned there's all these people that, that are in the stores and don't want to wear masks. There was protests in Huntington Beach. I heard that the local government near us in Huntington is suing the state government for shutting down the beach and affecting yep. business. And uh, my, my brother was in Huntington Beach and he said he watched people running onto the beach and then just running away from cops. So there were surfers that were literally just running on trying to catch a wave. Cops would ride down the beach and then they just run away with their surfboards. And it was the not protesting, but people were just not listening. Yeah. And it made me think that there's, I was, cause I was listening to Nassim Taleb talk and he has this idea of skin in the game, which basically says that if you're going to get the positive outcome of something without getting the negative outcome, you become an, uh, a not credible source. So you think of people on television who might tell you what stock to buy, but aren't invested in that stock. They don't have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was wondering, there's a degree of natural skin in the game with any sort of virus, which I think is good, which is if you wanna behave in a certain way, you personally run the risk of getting sick and that's fine. The problem is that there's other people who can be affected by your behavior who you do not necessarily have skin in the game for. Yep. So I heard the suggestion that you should be able to opt into a program whereby the police come, they check your license, they mark you off, and what that does is it essentially puts you on a deprioritized list for a bed in a hospital oh, I love or a it. ventilator. I love it. And it's, it's, it would never happen. And, and it would, the specifics would need to be worked out. Maybe you have to pay a ton of extra money. Maybe you can do some sort of community service to, to get off of that list. Who knows? But I like that idea. No, I love it. So you're <laughs> saying, so like, for instance, there's a beach that's open. It's an hour and a half away. It's the, mm-hmm. only, it's the only place I can surf within the law. So I just drive an hour and a half. Or, each way. No, no. Say, say no, there's a I'm, beach right no, here. No, this is, this is yeah, today yeah. I'm saying. 
oh, there today. is a beach here that's closed. Mm-hmm. You're saying I sign this paper. Instead of driving an hour and a half, I drive 15 minutes. But if I get corona, they go, yeah, you you knowingly ignored our rules. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you will only get a hospital bed to the extent that everybody who hasn't signed this contract yes. already has one. Yes. But if you come in and you're on a ventilator and then someone else comes in and they follow our rules, we're going to take you off the ventilator and give it to them. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. And well, then I can decide how serious I think the coronavirus is. Yeah. And, and, and it might not account for everything. If it doesn't, let me know. But... The, what we're trying to protect against is we we definitely want to allow people to make decisions that we might not agree with, but they've decided to do because they're dangerous. If you want to skydive by yourself, you should be able to do that. And it is would it be risky? fascinating to see what this did to the numbers of people because there's a lot of people going to these yeah. corona protests, but in the back of their mind, they know if I'm wrong, I'm still getting to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It'd be fascinating to see what would happen if it was like, you win. Yeah. You don't even have to protest. You win. But... If you're wrong, mm-hmm. you're going to suffer the consequences. Yeah. I actually think you'd see a lot of people put their hands down. Yep. And this is happening on the other side as, as well. So there's people that want the lockdown to go longer, who maybe have a job or a financial circumstance that, of course, it's good for them, right? This limits their exposure. They get to hang out in whatever they consider a comfortable yeah, place. Yeah, they got and, a raise because their unemployment's more than their and, job. And, or, or whatever. Or, or they're a white-collar worker who can work for home. And so it's very easy for them to advocate. And this becomes the problem when you have community issues is that people are are necessarily asymmetrically skin in the game right so they don't have the same amount of upside as they do downside and that leads to very different decisions and so i don't know that it could practically work but i love the idea of allowing people to make personal decisions that may harm themselves at their own behest while capping the downside to others uh I wish it could happen. Yeah, and I think it's amazing. <laughs> I wish it could happen. I'm a proponent. Yeah. So that that's just skin in the game. Do stuff. it, Trump. Do it. Be amazing. Black spot on the license. Do it. Yeah. So random other, do you want to hop in? I don't even know what I got. You can go. These are going to be all over the place. Oh, mine's a random question. I don't, we can cut this if you don't have an answer. Why are there so many Nazi flags and Confederate flags at these protests that are happening in Michigan? I don't know that there are. I have no idea. So I haven't seen anything, but I would be very skeptical of what is presented to you because what's being presented to you is a partisan view and the whole goal of the article, the video that you saw is to convince you that those people are crazy. I know that for a fact. Whether it's right or wrong, that article had a point and it had a job to do. Well, I just don't understand why the Nazi flag in general has made a comeback with any groups in the US. Mm -hmm. Like I would have thought that they would all be flying the American flag with the argument, which could be a great argument, what you're doing is un-American. I would almost guarantee there were more American flags at this rally than there were Nazi flags. And I think the fact that they didn't to choose to emphasize that says more about the people writing the article than it does about the protesters. Now, maybe there was a protest I'd love to, that was I'd love straight to get up. This. this was in Michigan, right? Let's yeah. see if we can get a, like an overhead image. I'd, I'd love it if you were right. Let's see. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. And I, and I do. I am ignorant as to, as to it what just may have se- happened. To me, it seems... Um, it seems counter to your own interests. Like if you're there to protest something, flying a Nazi flag seems like a really good way to just get people to ignore you. So I'm just shocked there's anyone who's flying a Nazi flag. Yeah. Like even that you can get a photo of one. Well, I think you know it, what I'm saying? I, it would be fascinating to ask. That, that I'd know. <laughs> to understand, be like, what are you doing here? What, what does this... Yeah, your goal is to convince the Michigan government to do what you would like to do. Mm-hmm. 
at what point did you think a Nazi flag would help? Yeah. With that argument? Yeah. Because it seems like there should be no Nazi flags. Just from a self-interested perspective, you want to get rid of the corona lockdown and go back to work. Mm-hmm. Why is this flag helping at all? I don't know. I don't get it at all. It's This seems like they should all be American flags. I'd have to ask. I have the same question with the Confederate flag. It's a poor persuasion technique. That much we can agree yeah, yeah. on. How did you land on this? <laughs> How did you land on that you would fly this Confederate flag instead of the 50... You know, starred one. Stars and stripes, yeah. I can actually talk about the Nazi thing. I'm yeah. from Michigan. Oh, <laughs> so whoa. We have, we have I looked a decent amount into this. Um, it's because they're likening the the governor who's a Democrat to a Nazi. See? So they're saying, hail Whitmer. So do you see that? Yeah. That is fascinating. Because what that is, that is completely shifts what your understanding of the article was. It does a 180 on the article the way it was presented to you and you interpreted can it. Can I tell you how what it reminds me of? What? When Charles Manson decided that the best way to get people convinced yeah. that his trial was the Nuremberg trial was to draw, or sorry, not draw, carve a swastika into his own head. Yep. I, I would still say not a good strategy for Charles Manson. Horrible strategy. Horrible strategy. But also, who who would you argue is acting in worse behavior here? The 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 reporter or news outlet who may understand the criticism and go, yeah, but I can get a cheap... Uh, a cheap win here by likening these people to Nazis or, or this is the difficulty with any sort of news article even if you attempt to do a good job 80 to 90 percent of people will only see the photo and read the headline so that controls perspective and if you have six articles with similar photos and headlines you can make someone look dumb or goofy or Nazi-like or whatever this uh, this is a decent segue I've noticed so the question is always what perceptions do I have about people and places I have no firsthand knowledge of. And and then the really good question is, to whose benefit? Well, what I would say, we kind of think about this when we're making content, is also like, what to what extent is what I'm doing, can I take it out of mm-hmm. context? We think about this a lot. Because yeah. someone had, a, I just Googled it, someone had a sign that said like, hail Whitmer, who's the... Uh, the governor. The governor, right? That's a great way to get across what you're trying to say, which is that he's the Nazi. Yeah. You holding a Nazi flag less immediately apparent what you're going for and much more easy to get uh taken out of context painted as the bad guy or whatever so So let's say that they're holding both and let's say that the cameraman just grabs the flag oh i'm saying the nazi flag is a bad persuasion yes that's what i'm saying the sign is is a better hundred percent on the same page hundred percent on the same page uh no no doubt about that and maybe there were people there that are truly white supremacists and were like this is my chance to to finally wave that Nazi flag I've been hiding in the attic. Who knows? Uh, I guess maybe they're having the same, they're they're lacking the same thought, which is what is the, what is the opposition going to do? We only know this because we've been, we've had this done to us for years on YouTube. And we've had, even just from well-meaning commenters who go, wait, when you said this, I thought that you would continue to the end yeah, of the people, video. People don't assume that their opponents will act in bad faith. Or inadvertently take them out of context or only listen to a part of what they said. Their their world has consisted around of people that have to enter and exit the room announcing they're coming and going and you know exactly what they see and you can read their face if they're disgusted with you and go, hold on, you're misinterpreting me. People are not ready for a world that is where they are broadcast to a bunch of people in a mass way. And I actually think it's going to become a good thing that more and more people are experiencing it because what I know it did for me is it made me so much less judgmental over this kind of stuff because I I recognize that I'm never getting the full story. It's impossible. Uh, And it made me, so the question, you know, what, what, 
and, and I'm sure you're going to feel the same way about this. Is there a country in the world right now that you feel that everyone hates <laughs> in America? Not North a country. Korea. Not a country, sorry. A government. That's a good one. North, North Korea. Korea. Okay, there's another one. China. <laughs> Very good. I have not seen a Republican or a Democrat who is not very negative on the Chinese government. I think that's just, you know, whether they did this on purpose or they're under reporting, it seems to be, and this might be completely fair criticism, but it very much reminds me and I think is indicative that we are in a second Cold War because that is exactly the perception that everyone in America had of the USSR. Rightly or wrongly, I'm not here to comment. It's not, it's almost secondary to the well, that exactly. Cold War, like, never ended. I think most people actually would be critical of the Russian government as well. Uh, it Well, it, it kind of paused. There was a Boris Yeltsin for a while. There sure. was a... It's back with Putin. Yeah. I think yeah. most Republicans and Democrats, if you're like, how do you feel about the Russian government? They go, oh, that's he's a bad guy. That's They're bad people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you, you may be right there. Uh, but yeah, not not to comment that, what, that we're wrong to think this about China, but I when everybody is, is broadcasting the same belief, and I've never really been there, I spent three days in Hong Kong... <laughs> And I have such strong background feelings about a place. I think it's an unfortunate sign for, for where geopolitics is headed when it's just universe. It's, you know, it's going to be some sort of Cold War. I also read Well, it doesn't article. mean you're wrong. It just means you're in an echo chamber, right? Not a, Well, yes. It means that everybody has the same belief. And it's also indicative, okay, of, of a different period of history where this is the feeling. The other article was writing about how Hungary the country <laughs> is no longer a democracy as according to some NGO that, that designates democracies because they've ceded a ton of power over to the president and he can, according to this, send people to jail for saying things that the coronavirus is not real or whatever. And they're also, according to this article, which has an agenda, of course, receiving tons of support from China in the form of face masks and ventilators. If we take that to be true-ish, you see the same thing that happened in the Cold War, which is there's this scramble for allies going mm-hmm. on. There's this scramble for which way are you going to run your government and does it more closely match ours or theirs? And, and can we send you enough things to have you on our side? Um, so I was just bummed because we, <laughs> we had a fairly long period of, of no big hot wars between superpowers. There were there were smaller conflicts, obviously. It was just the U.S. government making wars out of nothing so they could steal yeah. oil lands. Yeah. Well, actually, I told you this, but I think it's worth saying. I, I asked you this question. The most deadly conflict since World War II. Do you, do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. But I, di- I didn't know it until you told me it. It was the Congo War in like 1996 and 7. Over a million people died. And it happened right after the Rwandan genocide, which essentially was a continuation of this. But they're treated separately. There were two Congo Wars. It hasn't stopped. Just fascinating that in terms of... No one interferes. ...of human suffering. Well, we we were in Mogadishu way before this with Black Hawk Down. And so there's the argument, okay, we don't want to mess around because 30 Americans died, but millions and millions of Africans. This is where the the child soldiers as young as seven are being sent in to fight. And it's just not covered. No, it's uh, kind of similar to the, the... the thing I was talking about earlier with if you look if you think that Corona and 5G are linked, then they should correlate. If you yeah. think that the US is a good police officer for the world, mm. not acting in its own self-interests, we can test that hypothesis. Yeah. Look at the worst things that are happening in the world. That should have the highest concentration of US military. 
or focus at least <laughs> yeah oh it's weird it doesn't well i guess that hypothesis is busted you yeah. know what i mean like it's you you can without really having to do a bunch of science just go okay well what what would this look like if it were true that the u.s mm -hmm. really is trying its best to be a police officer for the good of all of humanity the most u.s focus would just go to the most human suffering yeah that's not what you see. So you need an alternative yeah. hypothesis. And instead we had the axis of evil. I'm not saying that. I love more. the U.S., by the way. Yeah. I feel like I'm calling off anti-American. But I'm really just trying to more posit like that doesn't show up. Mm -hmm. Like that hypothesis doesn't work if you project what it would mean and then you look at the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I that was sad. I watched a YouTube video on the history of Africa over the last 20, 30 years. And it's so horrible in terms of just of tribe not tribal it's i guess they're at this point like i don't know if they're different races but the hutus and the tutsis i don't know what the categorizations are just back and forth and back and forth and somebody gets power and then they they commit a genocide but then the rebels come back and they commit a genocide and then they get other countries to come in and support them and it's yeah nobody talks about it or cares and very shortly after we decided that the axis of evil was iran Iraq and North Korea, which maybe you can make an argument for North Korea, but even and not that the other places are good, but like, can you count? <laughs> you see how many people are dying over here? So I don't have an answer to it other than uh, the news is it's tough to it's tough to be engaged with the news because I think it gives you a skewed view of the world mm -hmm. uh, and not necessarily the one that is best for helping. So random. Any anything else that you got? Oh, yeah. I have so much, dude. I can't see. It's in like 14 days. Oh, <laughs> uh, go ahead. So, people had recommended, uh, this is another one. I feel like this is a very heavy episode. Out of Shadows. Did I tell you about this? No. So, Out of Shadows is by a stuntman who was in the Hollywood industry for a long time, did a lot of cool stunts. Was oh, this about how Hollywood's run by pedophiles? Pedophile Satanists, yes. And uh, there's there's interesting things and i feel the same way about this that i do about david ike which is you make good interesting and i think compelling points that seem to be sometimes surrounded by ones that hurt credibility so for instance just, just you're saying some of the points are good some of the points yeah, yeah. and I, I don't, i'm not gonna make a declaration of what percentage but uh the meat that so what are the claims that he makes that i thought were interesting that this, well, is the pizza party guy? The, this is the Pizzagate guy. Yeah. yeah. So he talks about Pizzagate. I don't want to go into it. That, that's old news. Uh, he talks about the Epstein. The, perhaps the most interesting thing is the insinuation that Epstein was a CIA, had been contacted by the CIA to get dirt on famous people. And so the part of the reason that uh, he was so quickly taken care of is because he not only would have indicted, would have indicted famous people, he would have pointed the finger back at the CIA and said they were paying me or, or I was somehow being coerced. And the CIA knew that there were a handful of pedophiles or a lot of pedophiles involved in that, which I found, while not 100% certainly true, a compelling theory. Well, this is my thing. If that were true, so if, if famous, if I've dirt on famous people, I don't necessarily think they're going to kill me. If I've dirt on the CIA, I do think they're going to kill me. Yeah. If Jeffrey Epstein thought he was going to die, you'd think he would have come out with it sooner, is the only thing. Like come I, out with what sooner? The dirt, whatever the dirt was. Like Maybe he thought they'd let him live. Or No, no, because here's the thing. Hey, Jeffrey, they get to him. Here's the deal. You are going to die in the next three days. And that's if you don't say anything. If you do say anything, 
everyone you know is going to die in the next three days. Your choice. I mean, there are ways, there are things worse than death. And, and you can control an individual. This is, this is the point that they, I think, effectively make, which is if you can really blackmail someone, like really get it, you can control them. Nine, you control 99% of the people to the end of their days. Very few people are like, you know what? I did that horrible thing and I'm ready to suffer the consequences of it. I'm ready to go to jail. I'm ready to face whatever uh, thing. So that, that is certainly possible that he would have shut up for long enough to not do that. And I'm not saying that this is the case, but they talked about MK Ultra, which I thought was interesting because Joe Rogan had a, a guy on who also spoke about MK Ultra, its potential, its potential connection to Charles Manson. And if you're not familiar with MK Ultra, you've seen Stranger Things. It's it's kind of uh, I've never seen Stranger Things. Okay, it's dramatized in Stranger Things. It's essentially the CIA program whose goal was to see if they could do a number of things. Is that why the girl has mind powers? Yeah. She's from MK Ultra. She's from MK Ultra. Fascinating. Maybe that. <laughs> uh, throw a spoiler alert up before this. It's an old show, but uh, so they were trying to do a number of things, and this is according to the Joe Rogan interview. See if they could implant memories in people's heads to get them to think that they've done things. See if they could take away memories so that they could have you do something and then not know. Seeing if they could get people to commit acts of violence that were so far outside of their normal thing, and the goal would be you know, Manchurian Candidate type stuff to assassinate people, and. They a lot of this came out in a hearing. They had evidence that they were they were taking regular Americans. They were using brothels as to lure guys in with one way glass, giving them like dosing them with LSD and then just watching them for eight hours and sending them back on the street. Right. They were they were drugging American citizens. They were doing things that were so far beyond eight hours at a brothel. I don't know how long at the brothel. Sorry, I I made the hours up. Uh, But they were doing things that were so far beyond the pale of like to American citizens that were unwilling and yes like to American citizens they had college students doing it (laughs) who were like excited about the findings and they have journals from these college students allegedly maybe this guy made it all up again I maintain a degree of I everything about everything could be wrong yeah but he seemed to be a credible source and what he said, he's like, the biggest thing about MKUltra is they had to admit a lot of this, and they burned a lot of the documents. What we have are the receipts for the stuff we bought. So we could see, like, one-way glass, San Francisco, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, six tablets of LSD. So we can piece together the story, but the biggest thing is that they said nothing worked. And that was kind of taken as the the standard line, which is, oh, the CIA, this crazy, goofy organization, they couldn't get anything to work. And he said, I think the biggest thing that is potentially, the speculation sold about MKUltra is that it didn't work is that they may have, in fact, found ways to implant memories or not do this that did work. And so this guy references MKUltra and a handful of things. He also makes claims that I feel are unnecessary to what some of his central theses may be. So I don't want to... Sorry, I don't, you're saying... I, I kind of lost the thread here. You're saying that he's I claiming, lost the he's claiming that Hollywood <laughs> child pedophiles have ties to MKUltra. He is all over the place. Because when I put it like that, it sounds a little bit crazy. He's all over the place. He's all, he, he touches on uh, that there is a, a Satanist. He touches on Pizzagate. He touches on uh, the elite pedophile ring. He talks about how Disney has been implanting subliminal messages of sex, like the penis in the Little Mermaid thing and, and SEX in the clouds of Lion King. I mean, he touches on so many things that he kind of lacks a central thesis. So I'm, I'm struggling to say what his point was, but I'm picking the things that I did think were interesting in trying to form a narrative that I find potentially compelling. Because I, I, I do think there were some 
I'm not here to rip this guy apart, but there were some issues in his presentation and and his his layout of some of this stuff. But I, I thought that that was interesting, the MK Ultra Epstein connection, and generally the idea that the CIA is not your buddy. Yeah, the CIA is doing things. Well, you know what's crazy to think about is, so I just watched American Made with Tom Cruise. It's loosely based on a true story, but a lot of it is, I'm sure, not true. But it's about this guy that was supposed to run guns down to Central America for the U.S. government so that they could try to overthrow a communist regime. And it's uh, the CIA is basically hiring this private citizen to do it. I won't give away the movie. But at the end, they just go, yeah, we, we're ready to fuck this guy. This guy hasn't been following instructions and we're ready for him to, to kind of like disappear. disappear. And they just go burn the documents. Yeah. And you're like, oh. There's no cloud. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they have flash drives. When you burn the documents, it never happened. And so this guy goes out and he says, oh, I was working for the CIA. And it's, no, you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> like, every shred of evidence about that has been put on fire and there is nothing you can do. Yeah. And it's so fascinating to think about the world before constant surveillance. Like even his evidence is, is taken with a camera, no video cameras. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just weird because in this world, you just assume everything's backed up everything's in the cloud everything's on video and so you feel and i'm not saying that it's true but you feel a greater sense of the government wouldn't be able to completely disappear you mm-hmm. you know what i mean because there's just so your, your facebook and instagram are out there yeah and for this guy it's just like 20 years of work You're is done. just on fire and you were never involved the cia has nothing to do with you and you and he says find Schechter. go find and they're going Schechter doesn't exist. That's yeah. that's not a person, yeah. and truly, that's not a person in the CIA. Yeah, he gave you wrong. He gave you he just gave you a wrong name, yeah. and now you're just done. You know yeah. what I mean? Now it's prison for you. And I yeah. thought that was really interesting to think about a world before the cloud. Well, I'm sure that there's ways ar- around it and ways to burn, quote unquote, burn digital evidence as well. The the thing that I think is perhaps because because we're deep into speculative territory about what happened with the CIA in the past, but I don't think it's widely argued that they were involved with arming a lot of the Contras in Latin America. I don't think it's what it's argued that they didn't play a big hand in taking down an Iranian dick government democratically elected uh chilean government democratically elected that they didn't arm uh the contras in the bay of pigs that immediately got slaughtered by fidel castro that the cia has this long history of uh doing potentially unethical things and messing up and it's like oh they blew it there you know they did they weren't successful and it's interesting to think that we may only know of the things they publicly got wrong and we're not aware of so many of the things that went well for them that oh, might course. have been weird double dealing under the table given where the u.s is i would assume their <laughs> win record is above 50 percent. Yes, like yes. i would assume that they have more wins than losses yeah and what counts as a win you know is is it a win when you can take an american citizen erase a memory have him kill someone and then convince him that he's a schizophrenic crazy person like is that we don't we don't know and again i'm that's yeah, a clear win i'm deep in his territory win, so i i bring that up because i was thinking that last time we were we're absolutely getting disappeared after this episode it's been way too anti-american no no we're I, gonna we're gonna wake up having killed ourselves with a shotgun to the back of the head yeah so here's here's let me try to tie this all together i know we've been all over the place there's this 5g david ike stuff going on and people have two gut reactions one is i knew it <laughs> and the other is that is the most ridiculous crazy thing ever and where i'm trying to find myself is in the space of uh this would take a quite a bit of coordination from a lot of people and there's there's 
reasons that you mentioned that 5G seems to not be totally correlated with coronavirus cases that seemingly need to really be addressed for this to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. The other is an understanding that... Well, you just say the data is not real. Sure. Is how you would address sure. it. But then you would rely on that data to later make your point when talking about where it does make sense. Yeah, and so, so that, that leads me to dismiss it or just find it not compelling. On the other hand, there's a very real history that we all seem to agree upon of abuses by governmental bodies, not just around the world, but our own, uh, in the name, God, in the name of I don't know what, <laughs> in the name of accruing even more power and pursuing whatever agenda uh, somebody has. So I don't have a definitive answer on all of this, but I, I guess it's not crazy for people to think that the government or branches of the government might be doing highly unethical things that aren't in their best interest. Where for Corona and 5G, I don't have this particular answer, but I guess I can see why people might be so skeptical of the official story, because the official story has been proven to be BS in many occasions. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. My thing is just think about incentives. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't really make sense if your goal is to create a technology and profit off it for that technology to kill a bunch of your clients. It's just, I would just say it's incentives, CIA mm -hmm. incentives. Would it make sense for them to want Manchurian candidates? Yeah, I could see as a government uh -huh. how it'd be cool to never have to risk your own yeah, yeah. people because you could, okay, so like, is it plausible? The motives there at least, you know? Like I like thinking about the motives. Mm -hmm. and, and then that's not, that doesn't prove anything, but I can find it, uh, persuasive enough to disprove a theory yeah. if the incentives don't really make sense. Yeah, let's let's wind down with this, but that's a great point. So I, when I when I watch David Icke, one of my, the big questions that I have is Bill Gates has God knows how many billions of dollars. Uh, he could do whatever he wants. He still, though, seem, you know, he's what do people do with a lot of money? They have a lot of promiscuous sex. They buy boats, buy boats. They uh, what do they do? I guess sometimes they kill their enemies. They buy a bunch of toys. They try to live a life at the of highest level. They dis they disappear from the limelight. They mm -hmm. buy a basketball team. Yeah. They buy a private island, mm -hmm. and they they ghost. You only hear about Steve Ballmer when he's at Clippers games. Mm -hmm. Richard Branson, you only hear about when, he has when a TV he's show. when yeah. he's uh, you know, doing crazy extreme sports with Obama. Mm -hmm. But they're not they're not out generally trying to do. A, things that Which are is, and this is where i this is where i run into and maybe i just can't understand the mind of a super psychopath as he puts it but to have a hundred million dollars and go billion. you know what i need 100 billion and to go you know what i need to kill everyone and control them with with a vaccine it's like you can control everyone with your money <laughs> you, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. you could have people stand on their head upside down all day in your place to the day that you died because you felt like it without spending a fraction of your money. So yeah, I we don't... lived in Vegas. We, we People with a lot less money than Bill Gates were having let's, people... Let's find down with this. We're this having good people one. crawl around on the floor yeah. wearing leashes, barking like dogs. There was a guy in Vegas who was well known to have, I think he had maybe a couple hundred million dollars, but not a billion. And he would come in and he would take the most beautiful women who worked at the clubs and he would do some perverted games where he would give them all five figures solid five figures and he would insist first that they would gamble it all so he'd watch them take more money than they'd have and freak out losing it or winning it or doubling it and then he would have things where he would have them like crawl around picking up more money but yeah or, they wear a leash and crawl yeah. around picking it up with their mouth yeah just for some reason he just really liked to degrade people yes yes and he, he didn't had have to do it with vaccines. No he just did it with his problem <laughs> getting people to line up to do that he yeah. had no issue and he wasn't anywhere near the hundred billion so I don't understand the what what additional 
power Bill and Gates guess, could possibly accrue. And what you're immediately writing off is that he is genuinely a reptile, a Satanist, yes. someone who has incentives completely different from your own. From, from he yeah. desires to see the world burn for his reptilian or Satanist end, end goals. Yeah. Which, which I think is fair. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what the reptiles want. That's what a reptile would say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's go. So let's hop into questions right now. I, I feel like we were all over the place. I apologize. Oh, yeah, for the, so many cuts for you, Justin. I apologize for the, the I have some other stuff, that. but we can talk oh, about no, it. No, 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 no. Do it, do it. It's, it's a, literally all stuff we've already talked about, so I can just save it till next episode. Okay. So I want to touch on, so we had Yusuf, who had basically funded this episode he asked a question in the comments i thought it was a decent question which we could start with for today yeah. he was looking for two book recommendations the first is related to mastery of a variety of different subjects and let's start with that any any good book recommendations yeah you? i really i really liked the art of learning mm -hmm. by josh i'm gonna mispronounce waitskin yeah. i think he's um he's the guy that Searching for Bobby Fischer is based on. He was a chess prodigy that then became a jujitsu prodigy. And the fact that he was able to become so good at both convinced me he's really good at learning skills. And so I really liked that book when I was younger. The Art of Learning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're interested in mastery, I think that's a good one. If you're insistent, there's another one called Mastery by, I think his name is Leonard. I, wanted, I was going to say Leonard Cohen. George Leonard. I don't know. <laughs> if, if any of the words Cohen, Leonard, or George are in there that's your guy that's your guy <laughs> if not it might still be your guy it talks about plateaus. it's called mastery it's called mastery yeah george it, leonard george leonard Woo! everything's like, in the description just like we said yeah so that that's a good one related to mastery and the second one the question and i hope i'm getting it right is oh can i say something else about mastery yeah real quick? absolutely so in my own experience the greatest thing i have done for mastery is find people that are really good teachers of it and learn from it so like for instance reading the art of learning very helpful. When I became really good at jujitsu, it's because the Gracie brothers have something called mm. Gracie University. And I had taken lessons in person from multiple black belts in multiple continents. And that online course, hands down, the fastest and best I've ever gotten yep. in jujitsu. Yep. Same with surfing. Surfing, I had a bunch of instructors. Some were bad, some were good. I was watching videos online and I, I found one good coach and immediately became a lot better. So I think for me, the best thing to do to become a master of something or learn a skill, start with the foundations, art of learning, mastery, learn how learning works, but then test very quickly, test a bunch of instructors and make cuts if they don't seem good. Because when you find one that's good, I mean, 5X your learning curve, like mm -hmm. it's just a world of difference. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, Grace University is so good. Yeah, It's so much better than the classes I went to. And, th and I'm gonna break from the book recommendation to talk about some of the tenets of get of mastery the one of the tenets is do it perfect slowly before going fast mm -hmm. so one of the big problems with jujitsu classes is you'll often do 10 minutes of drilling and then you'll just roll and you haven't perfected the americana really slow mm -hmm. and one of the excellent things about gracie university is that they make you do it slow a bunch of times and it is so much more effective the second thing is th this is going to be slightly different from every for in every discipline, but there's a, uh, an order and a structure yeah, that is that's best what I was gonna say. to learn in. I think Tim Ferriss may talk about this in Four Hour Chef, but but again, the Gracies do it really. They do it the right way. They've been teaching for a long time, so no, it's huge, man. I mean, in in jujitsu, if you find yourself on the bottom a lot mm -hmm. because you're just getting crushed and you don't know how to stop a takedown, and then what you drill is how to Offense. attack from the top. <laughs> yeah, it's such. Even if you get good at it, you yeah. will never get to do it. And yeah. I see this with surfing too. 
surfers that are like trying to figure out how to do certain turns dude you can't pop, pop up consistently yeah like you need to forget this and in a lot of things in most things there is an order that will make your learning progress so much faster yep so just as an example, when you're doing jujitsu, you start on the bottom in the worst position, which is where you're going to find yourself. Yeah, most if you of suck, it's where you're going to be. <laughs> but if you're very, very good at reversing that position, now we can. Now talk. you're in the yeah. second worst position, yeah. and then you can learn what to do from there. Yeah. And that's what Gracie University does really well. Where I'm not affiliated with them at all, but no, they're, they're, it's I see this a lot in a lot of different learnings. People will try to just hop into the sexiest thing that they want to learn, mm -hmm. and it's like if you're trying to learn how to do something charismatic mid-conversation but you're terrified of starting a conversation yeah we start with first impressions we don't start yeah, with, with exactly you don't telling a captivating story is a great skill only if you can get in conversation such that people will listen to you start a story mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah that order is huge so let me see so it's this is big and piano was one and guitar as well people always want to play the song to speed that's my first piece get it right slow then second thing is definitely the structure and the order you got to find a good teacher for that I feel like I need a third thing to have this be a rounded out perfect three. Oh, I'd say uh, one thing I like, dude, dr little t drills, five minute drills a day. So oh, much, sorry, so that's much great. more useful than two hours once a week. So surfing is a great example because you have to go out in the ocean. It's a huge hassle, put on a wetsuit, drive to it. So what a lot of people do for surfing is they will just go once a week and never get better. And you can do little things like buy a skateboard that is designed to be like a surfboard and practice for five minutes a day. Same with jujitsu. Maybe you can't go to class for an hour a day, but there is a, a hip sprawl drill you can do for five minutes. And in any skill, charisma is the same thing. You don't want to go out to a bar or give a speech every day. Absolutely reasonable. <laughs> but there's little things you can practice in a mirror in front of a camera for literally five minutes. And then when you get to the big moment of the jujitsu class, the surfing, the actual conversation, you will do so much better, which will make it so much more fun, yep. which makes it rewarding, which makes you want to continue. Yep. So that's, that's I think, a huge thing is just finding the thing that takes literally five minutes that you can do seven days a week. Yep. I mean, multiples faster in terms of skill acquisition than if you just try to do it in one to two hour chunks infrequently. For all you students out there, this is true of studying as well. So the art of studying and learning anything is basically the art of forgetting and re-remembering because you do it and you forget it. So can you technically cram right before a test and have something for 15 minutes, blow it out well, and do a I, test? Can I tell you yes. why I think it's different? So I'm a crammer. I crushed college yeah, yeah. without going to class sometimes, but you can you can memorize everything, take the test and get oh, an yeah, A. Oh yeah, spit it back out. And then you forget it all exactly. week later. So for, skill ac for test taking, it's great, but for skill acquisition, it's terrible because I literally would forget what I had just gotten an A on mm -hmm. two weeks later. I would fail that test if given it again, yeah. which I think for skill acquisition, you're not <laughs> trying to impress a teacher. You're trying to do something well over time. And that's where cramming really fails. Yep. So then let's go to the second question, which is he's asking, and, and if I get this wrong, uh, I apologize. He's, he's wondering how to do his own thing, as he puts it. And okay. he says that in the past, he's felt that he's had a very specific goal in mind, and he doesn't really have a specific goal so he doesn't know how to do his own thing so to me this question is like so is he how do i find my thing and then what do i like what what should i orient myself towards so the question is not that's how, how i'm interpreting the question is not how do i start my own business my question is i told him for our work literally week, i'm 23 and yeah. i'm not sure what i want my life to look like what should i do to figure out what that's, it should that's look how like. i'm reading it if, if it is business related for our work week is the best place to start in my opinion but let's presume that this is the question well one if it is business related to running lean is nice because it's a literal step-by-step -step playbook yeah. which is pretty cool yeah um okay so the question is how do i figure out what i want 
I mean, I th I think in general what you do for your money or whatever is just a means to a lifestyle. It's kind of how I think about it. So I think the first thing to do is what would your ideal lifestyle look like, right? Mm -hmm. So if you if your ideal lifestyle, for instance, is to live three months in Brazil, three months in Bali, three months in Norway, immediately that is going to cut away a lot of options that would involve like our friend runs a bone broth company that mm -hmm. has factories, right? Well, you can't do that. So I think knowing what lifestyle you want is probably the first thing I would do. So brainstorm yeah. that. And then... So, and just concretely, we, you I know I've done this. Write down, if you can, your perfect day starting from when you wake up. Mm -hmm. And if you want, you can even extrapolate that to a perfect week because every day might not be exactly the same. Yeah. That'll give you a good idea of of how to orient yourself. Yeah. No, great point. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Because if your goal is to... If you're like, my end goal is I don't mind working really hard this year, but I want $10 million in 10 years. Every decision you make is going to be so different than if your goal is I want to wake up when I want live where I want, spend most of my time not working. Every decision you make is going to be informed by that. And I think sometimes if you don't define that, you can just get given other people's dreams, mm -hmm. which you'll then chase. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of books you asked specifically, I think we've given you enough books. I think that exercise is where, is where I would start. And then depending on where you land, which is I need my own business or I just want to be a teacher or I th that, then read the book <laughs> that is most related to that. Cool. Let's do some questions. Sick. Thank you, Yusuf. Um, so another Patreon question. Uh, three years ago, I made the decision to start pursuing a different career in cybersecurity. My ultimate goal has been to join a particular government agency and has guided my decisions <gasps> to leave my old job, move to a new city by myself, and start grad school. What draws me to that agency in cybersecurity in general is a sense of purpose it offers. I have a desire to protect people and do what I consider to be important work as well as work with the best of the best. However, it's a competitive process and far from a certain thing. Last night, I couldn't sleep due to the anxiety I felt over the idea of not achieving this dream. I do not think I could be happy working in an organization that is primarily concerned with profit because it does not fulfill my sense of purpose, but that might be what I end up in out of necessity. You have spoken before on the, the idea of achieving what we want versus being guaranteed happiness and how people will choose the former, um, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. How can I change this narrow paradigm that I'm mm. in currently? Got it. Well... Sorry for everything we said about the CIA. No, no, I think I'm sure that the CIA does good stuff. I think what's interesting is it's to me is I would say you're on a great path, which is you're learning a skill, the yep. skill of cybersecurity. So the, the government doesn't have to give you permission to do good things. Mm -hmm. You can. So let's say you, you get the government job. Awesome. OK, now let's say you don't get the government job. OK, I want to help people. So instead of going for a corporation that you think is trying to maximize profits, look for one that has a culture that you like, that has people similarly minded to you. Okay, there's not a single company like that that exists. Start your own. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't wanna start my own company because I don't wanna have to worry about employees. F do a very small one-person freelance job. Mm -hmm. What's really cool is you're, when you're starting with the skill set of learning how to help people with online security and your goal is to help people, you can, as long as you keep that goal in mind and don't let prestige and money take you off of your path, you can do it no matter what. You don't need anyone's permission to use your skill set to help people. So I, I think you're in a great position. Yeah, I think one of the guaranteed ways to be upset, anxious, and miserable is to convince yourself that a gatekeeper is the person who controls your ability to do what you want or to be happy. Yeah, and it, I've and I've done it, and and people do it with if I could get this particular guy or girl to like me, then I would have the right boyfriend. And it, you'll be miserable if yeah. I can get this company to hire me. I remember, 
I went for a job at Google and I was convinced that if I got this job, my life would be amazing. And it was the coolest job. It was of the ramp program, the rotational uh, marketing position. I, I passed the first test. I flew out to Mountain View. I did four interviews. I got a call from the person. They said, this is almost never happens. All four of the people said they love you and they want you. There's this one final thing that you gotta do. You just have to show you can do You just do have the to job. show that you understand marketing <laughs> at all. And I was like, no problem. And I wrote this essay and that was it. I did not get the job. And at the time I was at a company that I didn't wanna be at and this was Google in a rotational program that was gonna get me to Ben in New York in one year, one year in San Fran, one year in New York. Really heartbreaking. Uh, and then, of course, what happened? I quit my job three months later, lived on Ben's floor, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. What I'm trying, Man was born. Yes. And so what I'm trying to say is that uh, I don't I, I actually believe this. If you don't get this job, it might be the best thing that ever happens to you, because right now you're convinced that a gatekeeper is what's going to allow you to be happy. But even if you go to this particular government agency and you think you're doing good work, I promise you, you will have layers of bureaucracy above you telling you what to do. And you might be doing cybersecurity for some uh, for some regime that you don't support, but we think is in the U.S.'s best interest versus if you just, like Ben said, do your own thing. And I, the point that you made, I don't want to to operate in an organization driven by profit. I don't, I mean, we, we make a profit, we pay our employees, but we are not driven by profit. We're here on this podcast, which has right now no money coming to Ben or I. It, it goes all to Justin. My man. We make zero profit, but we get to because we want to do this. We make decisions all the time that cut off 20, 30% of our profit, and we can afford to do that because we are the sole owners of this, of this vehicle. And it hurts every time. And then ben, <laughs> every time the investment banker and in Ben dies a little, <laughs> but when you when you run your own thing, you are truly in control. And and like and just to tie the last thing that Ben said, you're developing a skill that that can be used in so many different ways, and which is amazing because this is cybersecurity is going to be everything. So I would hope that we have shifted your feeling about that yeah no matter what happens you'll be able to do what you love and help people so yeah yeah and and i i didn't get my dream job and it turned out good so i think i think it, it can happen yeah. for you as well i found a question that i thought was interesting i don't know how i stumbled upon this this was weeks ago but it was about existentialism and i just remembered it there's a question existentialism your thoughts my bet charlie thinks life has no meaning ben doesn't feel as comfortable with that conclusion but agrees what are your thoughts on existentialism uh, it's a big question. So let me remember. I took a class on this. So uh, there's a lot of different existentialists. The one that I remember connecting with the most was, I'm going to butcher his name, Jean-Paul Sartre. <laughs> and I also <laughs> like Camus. Um, Do you want to define existentialism for people? This is the difficulty of it. Um, so what's the big thing? Existence precedes essence is one of the big things, and I know this is they, they talk in the worst ways. I wish it, philosophy does do a really good job of making interesting conversations painful. It's so practical. It's so practical, and so many of them talk in really difficult ways. So, um, one philosophy is arising in historical context as a response to other things. But basically, God dies according to Nietzsche, and he dies in the public perception of there's this. This is what we're supposed to do. You know, we're supposed to orient ourselves towards this, towards uh, our God. What now? And for a lot of people, that left a hole, a vacuum, because what you find is God was providing objective 
reasons and morality that were outside of any individual. And here was the stone tablets, and this is what you had to do. When there's none of that, people immediately thought, well, this is all meaningless. Yeah. And, and I think provides a, a heaven and a hell, which yep. I think is, is what I've, my definition of existentialism, from my understanding, is that it is the idea of what do you do if life has no meaning? Mm-hmm. Right? When there's a heaven or a hell, life has a meaning. It's a yeah. test. And when you pass, it's amazing. And when you <laughs> fail, it sucks. Yeah. And so you'll live your life according to this meaning and let it derive, you'll let it drive all your decisions, essentially, if you truly believed in mm-hmm. heaven and hell. So the question is, what is the purpose of life? Why bother with anything if, at the end of the day, there is no heaven and hell, you die, you disintegrate, you are gone, the universe moves on, and for the next 100 billion years, it's like you were barely alive, you're a blip yeah. on the radar, the sun explodes, kills the earth. So why bother with everything? Anything? Is Why yeah. should I care about helping people when all of these people will be dead and there's no afterlife? That's mm-hmm. my understanding of what existentialism yeah. is. No, it, and that's one of the, the foundational questions. And what it does is it orients meaning from what was taken for granted, which is that it's, that it's given to you, it's objective, and it's unchanging too. There is none of that, and you get to set your own. And it's the project that you have of your life is to decide what this is and to, mm. and to adjust it and to, and to tweak it. Uh, that meaning is a completely human construct and it doesn't lose its value because of that. A lot of people, I think initially when maybe they're, they're uh, in a situation, I know this happened to me kind of, where they were raised in a semi-religious background and they come out of religion and mm. there's this sense of nihilism because you think that if meaning just comes from people, it's worthless. And existentialism is like, no, it's awesome <laughs> that it just comes from people. Yeah, this is what I was, so nihilism, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is similar to existentialism, except the assumption is, therefore, nothing matters. There, yes, right? therefore, who cares, do whatever you want. Uh, there's, there, nothing is better than anything else in the final analysis. It's all, yeah. gonna, it's all going to hell and exploding and in, actually, in a supernova. And for, for me, my take, because I'm, I'm agnostic, I've said that to people, right? So I don't necessarily think that I'm guaranteed meaning beyond my own life. Existentialism can actually be empowering. It doesn't have to be disempowering because when something happens that you're upset about, you can stop and reflect and go, this, this is okay. I yeah. didn't get the woman that I want or our revenue is down because of corona or whatever it is you go well that's not the scorecard that's not the meaning of life yeah, yeah, what's yeah. Impo- i can decide what's important yeah. right so this this stranger doesn't like me or my bank account is down i don't have to think that that is the end of the world or even something that needs to ruin my day because i can decide my meaning i can decide that going and hanging out with my friend sitting on the roof in sunlight can mean today was a great day mm-hmm. even if it's the same day that my crush rejected me and i lost half my money yep so I find that existentialism can be empowering if you are willing to go through that mental exercise of when you feel down, pausing to remember that meaning is what you create. Yeah. And I think when it's depressing is when you only apply it to the good things. So when you lose money, you freak out. But then when you get money, you start to think, well, none of this matters. Yeah. Sure, then it can be disempowering. But that's if you are an existentialist, that right there is the human choice that you have. Yep. There's another thing, and I'm, I'm going to struggle to remember it, that I, I liked about Sartre, which is he talks about the roles that we play. And so you go to a cafe, there's a waiter there, and he serves you. Uh, to an existentialist, it's okay to play a role, but it's what Sartre called bad faith to think that that's the end of the story. To say that 
I am a waiter and that is everything. To forget that underneath that you are a free human being and it has implications in how do you treat your waiter? Well, he's not just an automaton that serves you your food. This is a person yeah. underneath it all. Uh, and so it has implications to how we treat people of different status. It also has implications a lot of people will say it's kind of the fixed mindset thing. They'll say, well, I am this. I am not smart. I am uh, stuck in these particular circumstances. And a big thing of existentialism is recognizing that while, yes, there are circumstances that are not easily changed and sometimes impossible to change, there's always a freedom to choose how you interpret mm -hmm. things. Now, I really liked that at the time, but as you know, if you've watched the podcast, I've since become more of a determinist. And so I don't wholly agree with that. There was this sense of uh, freedom in existentialism, which I don't buy. I kind of think we're along for the ride of yeah, yeah. interpretation that is made up. So no, it's I, funny. And I love it. I think existentialism yeah. is great. So it's funny because he thought you would be on board with it and I would hate it. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's, it's the, the opposite almost. Yeah, I am, I am not into that freedom responsibility though i do in my daily life appear yeah. like i do no and i think, think those i think one of the most weirdly enough one of the most empowering beliefs you can have is that nothing outside of yourself your own brain and beliefs is what determines how you experience things mm -hmm. i think that's incredible because you can use it to pull yourself out of bad situations to appreciate the small joys in life yeah I think it's great. And I, I'm, I'm going to keep going because I love this. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm remembering <laughs> everything now. So there's other good stuff. So I remember Simone de Beauvoir, who uh, she wrote The Second Sex, which I, I think was exactly what is needed at the time where she talks about how uh, one of the big things is that everything was the masculine way of being and then there was the other way, which was the female way of being. And she just pointed out that that was an arbitrary distinction so that women were not considered... Uh, necessarily what considerate or empathetic they were considered weak because they because in the relation to the masculine they were not as strong or as uh, emotionally rock like consistent in that same or whatever I'm, I'm kind of I'm putting words in her mouth but the, the basic thing that she pointed out at the time which I think was true is that we have this fixed point of what a man is and then women were somehow seen to be inferior variations of that and her point was that these are just two different ways of being. And I like that. Uh, Landmark Forum has built a multi, multi-million dollar business basically on just teaching people existential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like their whole their whole thing is a three-day journey to get you to feel positive existentialism, basically, yeah. instead of just having it as a thought for just a moment to be able to actually take your worst traumas and apply your yeah. own meaning to them. That is the entirety of the first weekend of Landmark Forum. Yeah, no, it's a good point. The uh, and if you just if you don't know what we're talking about and you're you're curious, it's very dense text. A lot of it. But the one thing I recommend is the Myth of Sisyphus by Camus. It's it's beautiful. You'll like it. It's really? like five or six pages. Yeah, it's not that long. Hmm. Never read it. So anyway, we'll move on. Hopefully that answers cool. your question. Um, next one is from Oliver. He says, "I feel overwhelmed by every small criticism I receive. For example, last time I made a mistake during work, I got told off, and was told that I should know better and to stop making these mistakes. Even." Even though it was just something small, I felt terrible for not being able to do my task properly. So basically, my question is, how do I stop worrying about what other people's judgments are and start going on, going easier on myself when I make occasional mistakes? Mm. Well, my, my initial reaction is, it's such a weird phrase, you should have known better. Meaning, 
well, how should I? <laughs> like, and, and we often do that to ourselves. I, oh, I should have done differently. What did I, I, I was operating on every bit of information and knowledge I had at the time. And this is what happened. Like, who should have? Should you have taught me? Should I have taken that lesson more seriously? Should my dad have taught me differently? Like, clearly, no, I shouldn't have known better. It turned out exactly as it should have. So I, I think that's one of the worst ways to, one of the, or I've mentioned this, but another great way to make yourself feel terrible is by saying what you should have done. Uh, because it just doesn't make any sense you did exactly what you should have done you might not enjoy the outcome but that was what you should have done given yeah. given all the inputs so the i was this i was exactly what you're describing for everything for every test that wasn't an a for every mm -hmm. critique from a boss yeah it was kind of a long process for me i think a lot of things helped um a lot of the stuff we talk about in emotional mastery was really helpful like there's this exercise i'm gonna kind of change it to fit this particular scenario but there's this sense of you, that criticism to you means something beyond just that one five second interaction. Because if you just thought it was that this person was mad at you for five seconds and then had completely forgotten about it and gone back to thinking you were a likable guy that they liked working with, you wouldn't feel bad about it, right? And so the exercise is you, you write out, and correct me if, if I'm wrong because you're doing the course, but you're, you write out like what, so okay, so this person critiqued me for five seconds and said I should have known better. Okay, that's what happened on the left-hand side. Well, if that if that is true, then that means, and then you write what it means to you. And what it might mean to you is that you're a loser who's incapable of getting things right. Okay, well, if I'm a loser that's incapable of getting things right, what does that mean to me? Well, that means that I will always be poor and no one will love me and my parents will regret having me. And you just keep, you just keep going down the chain. And then when you have it all written out, you look at it and you go, well, is this actually true? That if I made this one mistake, it means that I'm a loser who can't get anything right? No, I actually get things right quite frequently. This is just one error. Okay, well, even if I were a loser that got everything wrong, would it mean that I was a failure at life who my parents regretted having? Probably not. And you go through, and it's a longer thing. I'm not gonna, you know, jack everything that you're working on in the no, course. No, no, I mean, this is cognitive behavioral therapy. It's, this is, uh, yeah. It, it's incredibly helpful to write it all down for two reasons one you see what's actually happening in your minds that that is generating the feeling you're having because the feeling you're having is not that my boss criticized me for five seconds the feeling you're having is i'm a complete failure that no one can love and when you get down to that uh one just recognizing that relieves some of the feeling because you realize how absurd it is two for me at least you notice where the craziest jumps are where the where the worst or least logical if thens are and that you can then try to rewire yourself to to recognize isn't the case if that is am i explaining this in a way that makes so. sense yeah. yeah so like you'll write down 10 things or six things before you get to the fact that you're completely worthless and no one can love you and that's what the feeling actually is but you'll notice that one of the jumps in particular makes the absolute least sense and by doing something like meditating on it reflecting on it journaling on it you can break that one arrow and so then you won't necessarily fall as far mm -hmm. and it's that to me that exercise is the most helpful in recognizing i'm not upset because this woman rejected me i'm upset because i'm interpreting this woman rejecting me as meaning that i'm a complete loser who is unlovable who doesn't deserve to have a life partner that makes him happy yeah and that's why i feel terrible yeah, yeah, yeah. when i walk up to a woman and i say something that i think's cute and she doesn't want to talk to me mm -hmm. and when you can break that chain then what you can actually react to is that a stranger in the bar didn't want to talk to you which is not a big deal or a boss that has 
said compliments to you sometimes or maybe never is and is always a dick but who you don't really need to like you in order to be happy has said something mean to you when you when you can interpret what's happening for just what's happening it immediately loses all of its power yeah and so that is the big question is is if if anyone could really be present to the experience of their life what what happens is rarely in the first world at least Oh, bad, bad in any significant sense. Yeah, it's right? just a guy made sounds at you for yes, five minutes. Yes, exactly. So, but, but of course, that's not to deny that your experience of it could be very, very different from that. So, one, you might like the course Emotional Mastery because I try to approach this issue in many different ways. But if you're just interested in Ben's thing or it's out of your price point, he's talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a day that we cover. Uh, and there's a book called Feeling Good, which goes into different cognitive behavioral therapy approaches to this. Part of the problem is that what is occurring is semi-cognitive, but it's also semi-emotional and semi-physical, meaning that you're carrying this interpretation with you everywhere you go. And cognitive behavioral therapy can be a great tool to use in those moments, but it often doesn't stop it from coming up. Like it will still come up and you'll still have to dismantle it. So if you want to take more approaches to this, what you'll find is that this is a tip of an iceberg of this deep-seated belief that might be you're a failure, you're a loser, that might have gotten placed there very, very young. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to come at that. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, no, but the good news is it's, it is, I mean, if you do do these exercises, it can, It'll feel, help. It can feel unsexy to go buy emotional mastery or feeling good and yeah. do a 20-minute exercise a day. It can feel like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's not as fun as playing video games or playing basketball. But I, for myself, I'll tell you, I was the worst case of what you're describing, basically. <clears throat> and you got to the point now where something in our business happened that I think cost us, you know, probably five figures and it was because of me and I'm not proud of it. And I was able to be like, cool, that did happen. I tried my best, I'll learn from it. And I don't hate myself and I can have a good day and not think about it at night. And that's that's a that's a transition from a guy who used to lay awake at night unable to sleep with flashcards because i was beating myself up <laughs> i was beating myself up for mistakes so i guess my final message to anyone who does that is yeah this is something that does improve with effort and the effort is worth it and it will lead to more joy and less stress and weirdly enough better performance too mm -hmm. awesome good stuff any other questions from that's it senior justin all right oh, wow we did it so we kept it in a reasonable time yeah it was quick i thought we'd have way more questions well, yeah. So we don't. No, no more questions. Um, I could ask. If one. you had one more, we, we can hop okay. it. We, we. I think we have yeah. time today. Um, so this one is from Mardomis. Uh, he says sometimes when I come up with a fun idea or plan in one of my friends' groups or in one of my friend groups, other people get credit for it. <laughs> for example, I recently proposed an idea to my friends that since it is our last year in school, we could build a cradle for the baby of a teacher who are we who. Are who we are all really fond of and care about. The idea got picked up and we agreed we would talk about it once finals are closer. Now that the finals are close and the plan got brought up again, the idea got accredited to another person who just accepted the credit but knows I came up with the idea. <laughs> this has happened in many different times and different scenarios, but the point remains. Should I interrupt the conversation and say the idea was thought of by me? And should I, talk, should I speak with the person who took the idea, um, who took the idea and the credit, or should I just let it go? I have always let others take the credit in these cases because I feel like I would come out as a bad guy if I said yeah. anything, but I do wish to be acknowledged for the things that I think of. What is the right thing to do? Should I keep quiet or should I put my foot down? Oh, this is so hard because this person's in high school? It sounds like high school or college. Uh, yeah, so 
I don't know that I have the right answer to this one because I think the right answer at different stages in your life is literally the opposite thing. There is a stage in your life, and I suspect the younger you are, the more this is the case, where, and the shyer you are, the more this is the case, where having a private conversation with the person and letting them know is important because it builds that sense of self-advocacy. Not because you're getting the credit, not because receiving the credit is important, but because standing up for yourself is an important phase step thing to do. Then there's the stage later in life, depending on where you are at, where the correct answer is to sit back and enjoy that that person who clearly desperately needs the credit because they were willing to take credit that they didn't deserve got it. And to recognize that you already have everything you need. Receiving credit is not going to improve your life in any significant way. Somebody got a cradle. Somebody got to feel good. You got to be with your friends. What a win. Yeah. And I think you're probably in the first phase, given your age, but it's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're so different. You and I are so different sometimes. So my, I actually was going to give slightly different advice, which wasn't going to be have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. What were you going to say? So I was going to say there's, there's two things in my mind that, that I would do. One is actually similar to what you said. Enjoy that your idea got picked yeah, up, yeah. right? Like you, you wanted to make a cradle with your friends and you got to. If I suggest paintball and then we all go paintballing and I get to play paintball with my friends and everyone's like, great idea, Charlie. It's like, I got what I wanted. Yeah, this is yeah. almost better for me. I yeah. like the Machiavellian. I liked the idea of incepting my friends. Ben is, I, I got to give you credit here. You are very good at knowing your priorities. And so some people will have a priority, which is like, I don't know, get credit or something and you're, or, or, or be seen as the mastermind. And you always were like, no, I want a physical outcome. Like, yeah, yeah. like, I want us to go to this place. And if I have to convince everyone else that it was their idea and they get the pat on the back, whatever. We went to the place that I want yeah, to go Yeah, that's my to. best case scenario. Yeah. You know, I want to yeah. go, go paintballing and I convince all my friends that it was their idea to the go hiding under the radar. And then what I would even do is afterwards, I'd well, be like, this was for you. God, no, I'd be like, guys, that was a great idea. Because then I'd make them feel even better because I yeah, want to yeah, go yeah. paintballing a second time. I'd be like, dude, Charlie, that was a great idea. Like, we should definitely go paintballing more often. And then yeah. you feel good. Yeah. You don't really remember whose idea it was. But you're like, oh, when we go paintballing, everyone thinks that I'm cool and I get to feel good. And then I just get to sit there like yeah, little yeah. Machiavelli and be like, Pulse. so same time next week then, guys. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing is I think there are people, you know, my our friend Austin is like this, that will just get credit for jokes or plans or whatever because they have the reputation of being an awesome person, mm. even if it's not their idea. I'd say rather than go have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this person, try to become that type of person. Try mm -hmm. to, like I would say, why, why, why aren't I getting credit for these ideas? Is it because I say them really quietly and then someone else near me hears the idea and repeats it and then that's who gets credit because they say it loudly? Am I not getting credit because in general, the group doesn't have a high opinion of me? I would go more towards basic charisma basics and just go, OK, like forget about credit. I'm just going to try to be popular, fun, funny, someone that people like being around. And then I'm going to get the credit because I'll have this higher general command of respect in the group. Yeah. So that's what I would do. I wouldn't worry so much about um, fair point having a, 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 a serious one on one with someone because who cares? I mean, obviously you care. I'm not trying to diminish it, but this one instance of credit for the cradle, I think actually won't make you as happy if you got credit for the cradle. That would not make you as happy as if you became the person in the group who was given credit for his ideas because your standing in the group had mm -hmm. risen. I actually think that would make you happier. So for your own sake, I would pursue one of those two, either just getting people to do what you want and then getting the joy of the activity or switching to being 
more fundamental in terms of what kind of body language, tonality, interactions, jokes will make me a leader and popular. And then I'll get the credit because people will know that I'm the one yeah. saying it and they'll remember. That's a good point is that for certain people, it's going to be easier to strip them of credit because they uh, they don't have the standing in the group. But you mentioned our friend Austin. I can't imagine that ever happening. No, no. Him. He was it would man, only dude. flow in the direction of him getting credit for things he didn't deserve. Yeah. Uh, no one, if he had said something, it would have stuck you in remember, your brain. You remember he said it because his delivery was loud, confident, with great posture and body yeah. language. Is When you think back to where did that idea come from, you remember Austin delivering it. Yep. You know, and, and so, you assume that of course Austin, he's the cool yeah, 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 of course. He's yeah. the he's the cool one. He's the team captain. Of yeah. course it came from him. So yeah, no, I, I would if I were you, I would either just embrace your Machiavellian ability to get people <laughs> to do things that you like doing, like making cradles or paintballing, or I'd switch into how do I fundamentally forget about credit and just up my charisma such that I will naturally receive my credit. Cool. You got three options. Take the one that that uh Take either of my two. <laughs> <laughs> Take the one that feels that feels the uh, the most right. Uh, and I think that's it. Dope. All right, guys. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks thank you again for watching. Yeah. Thank you all our patrons for making this happen. You guys are huge. Uh, you guys are huge. So yeah, depending on where we're at, if we're at three hundred three hundred dollars a month, it'll be one a month. Six hundred dollars will be two a month. I think nine hundred dollars is one every ten days or something, and then. 12 would be one a week. So if you want to contribute, we super appreciate it. We do have, sometimes have some some conversations going on in the Patreon as well about Oh, topics. bonus points. Your question is way more likely to get answered if you're yeah. now because Justin <laughs> yeah, has sure. been told to prioritize patron questions. So, And uh, he will because all the money goes to him. So <laughs> incentives are aligned. So yeah, so in either way, we, we appreciate everyone watching. We appreciate all of our patrons. We appreciate our biggest and our smallest and the people who just are here to hang out. So hope you guys have a wonderful day and we'll catch you all next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.